Please turn with me to Isaiah chapter 11. In the Old Testament, the book of Isaiah chapter 11 will be our passage this morning of study. This is the last Sunday in our Advent series as we've been looking at Christmas prophecies. And tonight to this morning we look at Christmas hope from Isaiah chapter 11. This is God's word to us this morning. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. From his roots a branch will bear fruit. The spirit of the Lord will rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and of understanding, the spirit of counsel and of power, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. And he will delight in the fear of the Lord. He will not judge by what he sees with his eyes or decide by what he hears with his ears, but with righteousness he will judge the needy. With justice he will give decisions for the poor of the earth. He will strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. With the breath of his lips he will slay the wicked. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness the sash around his waist. The wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat, the calf and the lion and the yearling together. And a little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. The lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant will play near the hole of the cobra, and the young child put his hand into the viper's nest. They will neither harm or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the root of Jesse will stand as a banner for the peoples. The nations will rally to him, and his place of rest will be glorious. Let's pray. Father, we do this morning thank you for your word, and we pray your spirit would teach us. We pray that you would enlighten us. We pray that you would give us hope. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. One of my favorite scenes is from C.S. Lewis's work, The Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, when Santa Claus shows up. I don't know if you remember that, but only C.S. Lewis and his brilliance could work Santa Claus into the story. And so you may remember, may recall that the, uh, the four children, uh, Edmund and Lucy and Susan and, and Peter, were fleeing with the beavers to get away from the evil white witch. As they were fleeing, they end up in a cave along the way that the beavers had prepared for them where they eat and take a rest. They were resting there after a while and before long they heard bells jingling off in the distance. Now, immediately they were terrified because their minds went to the evil white witch on her terrible sleigh, and she was going to come and and turn them into stone. Well, you may recall again that Mr. Beaver jumps out of the cave to go and to survey the scene. And to the children, it seemed like that Mr. Beaver was gone for hours. When would he come back? And he finally returns with much excitement because it wasn't the white witch who showed up. Guess who showed up? Santa Claus, yes. Now, this is great news in Narnia because if you remember from the story in Narnia, because of the evil white witch's rule, it is always winter and never Christmas. A terrible thing, right? (laughs) Always winter and never Christmas. In Mississippi, we pray for a little snow every now and then. But the mere appearance of Santa Claus in Lewis's story is great hope for the people in Narnia because the appearance of 
Father Christmas himself means that the spell is being broken and not all hope is lost. In fact, hope is here. But there's someone much greater than Santa Claus who is on the move in Narnia. And that is the great lion, Aslan, who is the Christ figure in Lewis's work. Well, that's what's kind of going on in Isaiah 11 here. This passage is showing us that God is on the move. And, and not all hope is lost for God's people. Though the, the forest be laid bare, hope is springing forth. There's the whisper of a great king. A great king who is on the move. I simply want to ask you this morning as we approach this passage, what are you hoping for this Christmas? What are you hoping for? In what are you putting your hope? Where is your hope? Because Christmas... For us, it is about hope. It is about joy. It's not only that Jesus has come to be our personal Savior and King and to rescue us from our sins, but that He is King and He is Lord of all and He will establish righteousness and peace upon the earth. And this is what is going on in Isaiah 11. Israel is looking for a miracle. They are looking for hope. Hope has seemingly escaped them because of their sin and God's judgment. And that now hope is going to be found in a stump. But not just a stump. There's going to be a shoot coming forth from the stump. Israel finds this great hope in the promise of a king. The king. And we find this hope at Christmas in the promise of a, a newborn king. Well, to understand what's going on here, we need to get Isaiah 11 in historical context and understand that Isaiah is a prophet in Judah, the southern kingdom. And at this point in Israel's history, the, the kingdom was destroyed. Cities were in ru ruin. Desolation was spread over the whole country. And there was seemingly no hope, no comfort, only fallenness, only discouragement. Israel was once like a great forest, but now has been chopped down, leveled. And there's seemingly no hope. There's stumps. They were a sinful people that put the Lord their God to the test. And we read early in chapter 10 that they made unjust laws and oppressed the poor. And so now God raised up a very powerful nation with a very powerful um, uh, army, the Assyrians, who posed a great threat to God's people. And they were going to advance south and destroy God's people. But God... Being faithful to his people, he then punishes Assyria, Assyria and chops them down, cutting them down because of their arrogance and evil. And now they are like a great forest that has been leveled and cut down. In fact, God had leveled and cut down everything and everyone, even his people, Israel, because of their sin. But the Lord now, through the prophet Isaiah, was going to give them great hope. Great consolation when all was seemingly lost. There, it seems like there's no hope, no life, no promise. But we come to Isaiah 11 and we see that now a, a stump remains. And upon closer look, we see that not only is there a stump, but there's actually a shoot coming out of this dead stump. Indeed, it's, it's actually a branch with life. And not just life with a few green leaves, there's actually fruit. This tree, this branch is going to bear fruit. The stump is not dead. Life is springing forth. God's people, God's promise is 
not utterly forgotten. So Isaiah's message to God's people is this, the promise to David is not forgotten. One greater than David is here. Hope is not lost. Life is springing forth from a stump. You may look at this verse 1 in Isaiah 11. There's some questions for you about what's going on here. Who is Jesse and what about this promise made to David? Well, Jesse is the father of King David. He is the one from whom the righteous line of the king would come. And you may recall from 1 Samuel 16 that the prophet Samuel went to Jesse in Bethlehem because God had declared that one of Jesse's sons was going to be anointed king. That son of Jesse that would become the king is David. The Bible describes him as the man after God's own heart. David is held to be in the Old Testament as the model king, the king after God's own heart, the king who would bring peace and who brought God-centered worship to Israel. And in 2 Samuel chapter 7, later in David's life, we find an amazing covenant promise, even one that we saw displayed here this morning, that, uh, that to David, a king would come that would rule on the throne of David forever, a forever king. This is the promise of the messianic king. A king would come and rule righteously forever. A forever king would be born to the line of David. And the Old Testament teaches us that since the time of David, there was no one else like David. But also we see that the forever king that was promised to David, he had not come yet. But now we see a glimpse. We see a whisper. God is on the move in Isaiah 11. A shoot will come up from the stump of Jesse. A shoot from the line of Jesse is not just another king in David's line, but rather another David himself. In the books of 1 and 2 Kings in the Old Testament, we see that successive kings were constantly compared to and referred to as their, from their father, David. All kings were compared to David, but no king after David is called another son of Jesse or another David. Here in Isaiah 11, we find another David, a better David, a righteous branch. Moreover, if you skip down to verse 10 at the end of our passage, you see that this righteous branch is in fact the root of Jesse. Meaning that Jesse actually sprang up from him. This root of Jesse is the origin of the Messiah, where the king would come from. The branch is, in fact, the root. The branch is, in fact, the root. The righteous branch, who is the root of Jesse, is the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And if you haven't figured it out this morning, it's Jesus. <laughs> He's Jesus. What about this shoot, this branch? He is the forever king. He is the hope of Israel. He is our hope. This is why the angels announced to the shepherds that today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord, the Messiah, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is here. This is our Christmas hope. There is a forever king who is here with us. This is the good news of Isaiah 11. This passage is about hope. This passage is the gospel. 
here we find that hope is not going to come in an idea. Hope is not going to come in a philosophy, nor in a government. Hope is going to come in a person, a forever king, Jesus. Jesus is our hope. Christmas reminds us that the true king, the forever king, the promised king, he is here. And this gives us great hope. And so I want to propose to you this morning as we think about hope, that in a world that we live in that can offer no real hope, Christmas offers real hope through the gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news in Isaiah 11 is that Jesus has come to bring hope by establishing righteousness, restoration, and rest. And that is what we will study in this passage this morning, righteousness, restoration, and rest. First, Jesus has come to establish righteousness, and we see this in verses 1 through 5. The hope we have in Jesus is that he has come to make all things right. And if he has come to make all things right, that implies that something is very wrong. What's wrong? Well, the world that we live in has been marred by sin. We have been marred by sin. And like the Israelites who have been decimated like a forest that has been cut down and leveled, everything seems lifeless, hopeless, worthless. Life sometimes seems like a stump. But look in verse 5, where we find the one who rules his kingdom with righteousness, the one who brings hope, the one that wears righteousness. Righteousness will be his belt and faithfulness, the sash around his waist. What is Isaiah saying here? He is saying that Jesus is righteousness. He wears righteousness. He will establish righteousness. He can do this because of his character. He's the righteous king. This is the nature of the forever king. He is righteous. He will set everything right. He will establish righteousness that will bear fruit, verse 1 says. This branch is not just going to pop out of the stump. It's going to become a, a whole tree altogether that will bear fruit. It's going to prosper. God's promise is going to come to fruition. All other kings had failed to usher in the kingdom of God at this point. But this king, the true king, the forever king, will bear fruit. God's promises will come to fruition. How? Because it says in verse 2 that the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. And this harkens us forward to Matthew chapter 3 at Jesus' baptism where we see the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove. Jesus was not lacking in the Spirit, in His divine nature, but in His human nature, He must be endowed with the Holy Spirit so that He can fulfill His kingly task as a man. And His kingly task is to establish righteousness upon the earth. So He was endowed with the threefold fullness of the Spirit in His ministry. Look in verse 2. This, he would have the Spirit of wisdom and understanding. He has the ability to carry out his plans and he has all the military-like strength that he needs to do all that he desires to accomplish in establishing righteousness. He has the spirit of counsel and of power. That is his ability to carry out his wise plans, again, like military-like strength. And he also has the spirit of the knowledge of the fear of the Lord. That is his holiness, that he is the holy, holy, 
holy king. And in verse 3 it says, He will delight in the fear of the Lord. The forever king will find deep joy living in the reverence of his father. And because he is the righteous king, he will judge rightly. And he will establish justice upon the earth. And what that looks like is, again, for us in verses 3 and 4, that he will take care of the poor and the needy. We see this over and over again in his life, in, the ministry, in his ministry in the Gospels, that Jesus constantly was taking time out to minister to the poor and to the needy, and not just those who are poor in material things, but those who are poor in spirit, those who desperately needed him, prostitutes, tax collectors, sinners, people like us. In verse 4, we also see the established righteousness on the earth by he will bring judgment to the wicked. But not like you think, right? Our first reaction is, Lord, smite them. Strike down my enemies. But how is this forever king going to do it? He is going to do it with the breath of his lips. The word of God, his teaching will be the judgment against the wicked. This is the righteousness that he will establish on the earth. Why did the angels come and declare peace on earth to the shepherds? Because that is what Christmas is. Jesus has come with great hope and he has established a kingdom of righteousness and peace. And this is care for the poor and the needy and judgment of the wicked. And so as we come to this passage, we come to this thought of Jesus establishing righteousness on the earth. I ask you this morning, are you struggling at Christmas time? Are you struggling right now? Do you have heavy burdens that you are carrying? Strained relationships, financial troubles, some dark depression. I invite you to look for hope in Jesus who is the King of kings, the Lord of lords, and who has come to make all things right. To come and to give decisions for the poor, for the needy, for the struggling, for the depressed, for the lonely. Righteousness is what you need. Righteousness is what He has come to establish. And righteousness is what He will give you. This is the reason to hope at Christmas. Jesus has come to set all things right. And we will sing at the close of the service, No more let sins and sorrows grow, nor thorns infest the ground. He comes to make His blessings flow far as the curse is found. And not only does Christmas offer hope because Jesus will and does establish righteousness, but because Jesus has come to restore all things. Jesus has brought and will bring restoration. Look with me in verses 6 through 9. You may recall in Revelation 21, Jesus declares at the end of all things, Behold, I am making all things new. And this newness is described for us in verses 6 through 9. That's what Isaiah is talking about. Jesus is going to make all things new. He's going to restore creation. There's very much a, a present and a future promise in mind here. For Israel, the present promise was, was peace and rest from their enemies. But for us, it is about the promise of another advent, another coming of Jesus. 
You see, Advent is not only about the first coming of Jesus, his birth, but it's about anticipation and the hope of a second Advent, his return. In this passage, we find the hope of a completely restored world. So much so that even the animal kingdom is going to be turned on its head. Even even the animals are going to act differently. All our paradigms are going to be blown to pieces. We must remember that because of the fall in Genesis 3, everything has been affected by sin. Everything and everyone has been affected by sin. In case you haven't noticed, things are really out of whack. We live in a fallen world. But... In verses 6 through 9, they're describing for us a messianic age, the ultimate and final peace on earth that the forever king will establish. What will this new heavens and new earth look like in this messianic age? Look in, look in these verses. Verse 6, there will no longer be a predator-prey food chain. You know, a wolf and a leopard are going to hang out with the things that they normally eat. They're going to live and lie down together. And in verse 7, the most unlikely of animals, again, will live and eat together. Lions eating straw. If you saw that in the zoo, you would think something is wrong with this lion. This is what's going to be different. In verse 8, peace will rule so thoroughly that a young child will, will lead these fierce animals. A young child will even play with these fierce animals. I mean, can you imagine... The curse of the fall being so undone that a little child can play with snakes? And not pet snakes. Not your pet snakes. Not the little petting snakes at the petting zoo. Fierce snakes, cobras, vipers, things that will kill you (laughs) with one bite. Children will play with these in the new heavens and new earth. These animals, the man and the creature relationship will be so restored, so redeemed that they will live in such a way that they will not harm or hunt and nothing will be destroyed, God says. I love what John Calvin says about these verses. Christ will come to drive away everything hurtful out of the world and restore to its former beauty the world which lay under the curse. Read that again. Christ will come to drive away everything hurtful out of the world and to restore to its former beauty the world which lay under the curse. Again, this morning I ask you, are you struggling with hurt, with pain, with difficulty of some kind? And we all are. Christmas brings hope because Christ coming as a man means He has come to restore you and this world. He will drive away everything hurtful out of the world and restore you. Look to Him. Look to Jesus. There will come a day when He will ultimately and finally restore everything. And you can put your hope in that promise. That is Christmas hope. This hope does not just stop at the animal kingdom in verse 9. It goes on to declare that the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In the Messianic age, the time of the king, there will be no mystery or separation between God and man. For God and man will dwell together forever and there will be peace. There will be complete restoration. The Bible says knowledge of God will be so common in the new heavens and new earth that it will be like the waters that cover the sea and cover the earth. 
This is the hope of Christmas. Jesus has brought peace between God and man. This is what we need the most. This is the hope that He brings. Do you live your life with that knowledge that you now have peace with God? Therefore, there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Paul tells us. This is really important because the Scriptures declare there will come a day when the knowledge of the Lord will be so complete and so full and so perfect. But for now, as a Christian on this earth in the sinful world, you do have hope. You do have knowledge. You will be made complete and full and perfect in Christ. But now you understand that Jesus is Lord. He is King. He is good. He cares for you. He saves you. He desires to restore you and perfect you in every way. And this is the knowledge that you need the most. This is the work of restoration that He is doing in you. Christmas offers us hope because Jesus will and does establish righteousness and He has come to restore all things, but He has also come to establish rest. Something we've been talking about in the college class a lot here lately. You come home from semester, you just need rest. We all need rest. Jesus has come to establish rest. In verse 10, we find the conclusion to this passage, to this scene. But it's, it's not the conclusion of the story of the hope that we ultimately have in Christ. Rather, it, it points us to the, the final consummation of all things. That day, in that day, he says has its fulfillment both in Christ's birth and Christ's second coming. That day is now and that day is, is not yet. That day is now because the branch of Jesse is now referred to as the root of Jesse, who is Jesus, who was born in Bethlehem. This baby now stands, he says, as a banner and the nations will rally to him. So we sing joy to the world. The Lord is come. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. So repeat the sounding joy. The King is here. Hope is here. There is something about Christmas that, Christmas time that just rallies us all together. This is what Jesus does. This is Christmas joy. This is Christmas hope. Christmas is wonderful because the forever King has come to establish a glorious peace. And rest, Isaiah tells us. This rest is here because He has come and He has died and He has established His church and He is with His people. The kingdom has come, but not fully. We're looking for the second advent, the second coming. We're looking to the consummation of all things. Christmas is the anticipation of this new heavens and new earth that Jesus will usher in. This ultimate hope, this final rest that He will give us. And He promises us this to us now. You recall from Matthew 11, Come to Me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. How wonderful is this glorious rest that the king will one day usher in and that he gives us now. He gives us rest. Are you tired? 
I mean, are you tired? Some of you are, yep, I'm tired. Um, are you tired of are you tired of sin? Are you tired of discouragement? Are you are you longing for more? Jesus, the forever King, offers you the final hope of a resting place prepared for you. Let's look ahead to the near the end of the story, Revelation 21, where we see what this final place of rest looks like. Revelation 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men, and He will live with them. And they will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. And He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. This rest that we will ultimately enter into, He will wipe away every tear. The old order, the things that we know now of pain and of hurt and of death will be no more. They will pass away. And we will enter into this glorious rest. You know, Christmas is about new life budding forth. Christmas is worldwide, all of life, all of nature being transformed at Christmas. At Christmas, we are changed. If you don't get excited at Christmas, you got problems. Christmas brings us great joy. You can't leave Christ out of Christmas. You just can't. He is Christmas. So rejoice. Have hope. I bring you good news and glad tidings. A Savior, a King, has been born. He is a shoot. He is actually the root of all of life. And He now stands as a banner. And the rest and the peace and the hope that He brings is glorious. So Merry Christmas. And peace on earth through Him who brings righteousness, restoration, and who will bring you into His glorious rest. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, this is what we long for. This is what we need. And we thank You that at Christmas we have a great hope. That you, the forever king, you reign and you will come come again one day and usher in a glorious peace and rest. And we thank you that even now we can experience that because of the joy that Christmas brings us. And because of the joy that is set before us that you will come again and you will wipe away every tear from our eyes. We praise you and thank you for this in your name. Amen.